Rusty Quill presents. Hey guys, happy holidays. I wanted to give you something special this holiday season, so I thought that I would share the first episode of Movies with Michael. Movies with Michael is a movie discussion podcast where Michael discusses a movie with a guest. In episode one, he sits down with Mike to discuss the film Paul Blart Mall Cop. If you like the Movies with Michael podcast, the rest are available for patrons at the $10 or higher level at patreon.com slash woe underscore begone. So consider subscribing there if Movies with Michael sounds like something that you need in your life. And without further ado, enjoy the show. Movies with Michael. Yeah, movies. I hope you're ready for movies with Michael. Movies with Michael. Yeah, movies. I hope you're ready for movies with Michael. Michael, it's not too late. Nobody's making us do this. It is too late, partner. You already watched the movie, and the theme music's already played. What? What theme music? You'd know if you got over here and put your dang headphones on. Okay, fine. Let's just... (sighs) Okay, my headphones are on. Let's get this over with, Michael. That's what I like to hear. Welcome, everybody, to the Movies with Michael podcast. Where every week Mike and I review We're not doing this every week. We talk about what we like, what we didn't, what we thought, what moved us, what made us feel. Michael, we aren't doing this every week. Every month, then. Can you get someone that isn't me for some of those, maybe? I wanted Sly to do this one, but he didn't wanna. He didn't want to what, Michael? He didn't want to watch Paul Blart Mall Cop? Bingo. He didn't want to watch Paul Blart Mall Cop. And you're a lot easier to bully. Well, it was either sit in my bedroom while you were blaring Paul Blart Mall Cop throughout the whole house, or go in the living room and watch it with you. And now I've watched it, so now I've got opinions. I hate that I have opinions about Paul Blart, Michael. Yeah, I got opinions too, and that's the whole point of the podcast, so let's get this thing started, partner. You want to tell them about what Paul Blart Mall Cop is? Tell them? Tell who? Who are you sending this to? Like, who's going to hear this? Well, uh... Boris, uh, August, Edgar, Bruno. All right. Well, for any people or dogs who don't know what Paul Blart Mall Cop is, it is a 2009 film starring Kevin James, and the official summary is this. A single suburban father, Kevin James, works at a mall as a security guard to make ends meet, and he takes his job very seriously, even though most of his colleagues and customers don't. As the holidays approach, Paul gets his moment to shine when Santa's little helpers shut down the mall and take hostages, including his daughter and girlfriend. He realizes no one knows the place better than he does, and he mounts his trusty steed, a Segway, and goes to the rescue. And that's actually basically everything that happens in the film. It's very bare bones. Yeah, it's a little simple, a little turn your brain off, but I liked it. Michael, you did not like this movie. You're not telling your friends and family and your landlord's dog that you liked this movie. Paul Blart, Mall Cop, is about a weird little guy who earns the respect of his friends and family by being himself. That remind you of anyone? Do you want to draw this comparison between yourself and Paul Blart, Mall Cop? Are you serious? Are we doing that? I just think it's a story that a lot of people can relate to. Maybe in Paul Blart 3 they'll make him into a cowboy. I hope for all of our sakes there is no Paul Blart 3. Michael, do you want to describe how the story starts? 
Yeah. So, Paul Blart's his guy, and he wants to be a cop, and I got opinions about that, but that's neither here nor there. And he keeps failing out of the police academy because he's hypoglycemic, which in this movie is like having narcolepsy, but not real narcolepsy. It's like having movie narcolepsy. So he's working at the mall as a security guard and living at home with his mom and his daughter and looking for dates online where his profile says that he knows a lot about sharks. And I know a lot about sharks, so I could relate. Right. So... Between the opening and actually getting to the mall, I noticed that there are very few what I would consider outright jokes. The film is expecting you to find the situations humorous. And since this is a 2009 movie starring Kevin James, I wouldn't say that it's aged well or that it would have been funny and appropriate in 2009 even. Yeah, buckle up because they're going to make fun of how people look, which I ain't a big fan of. Right, so Paul Blart speeds off on his Segway to his job at the mall, and he runs over a dog, which is supposed to be funny, but I found horrifying, but we don't have time to stop and talk about it. So he gets to the mall, right? And so we get all of these gratuitous shots of him roaming around the mall in front of every store you could possibly think of. I believe that more films should dare to be exactly 90 minutes long and clearly sponsored by every store in the mall. Exactly 90 minutes long and down to the point where edits look like they're a second or two longer than they need to be sometimes to make sure that it hits 90 minutes exactly. And then after the montage, Paul gets introduced to a new trainee who is boring and has a weird name that I didn't write down. Vex Vaporub. Close enough. Google says Vex Sims. Any relation to Johnny? Yeah, uh, Paul Blart takes place in the Magnus Archives universe. Right, so he leaves Jonathan Sims' cousin and goes to creep on this girl whose eyeliner makes her look like Alita Battle Angel. Right, so I don't envy straight people trying to encounter each other. It seems exhausting. Paul Blart is like looking at her from afar, and then he talks to her, but it's under false pretenses, and it says a lot about what the writers think is normal, which is depressing. Right, Paul Blart thinks he's being cute, but he ain't. If you want to flirt with someone, you gotta... Show up at their saloon and get in a shootout, or show up at their work and steal their security codes. Yeah, we've really got this figured out. Anyway, I fell asleep while he was meeting Amy, I think her name was, and I woke up and he was in a really loud fight. I hated that because it woke me up. Yeah, stuff stopped happening for about five minutes, and that fight also doesn't really matter. Right, and then they go to a party for mall employees. Did I understand that right? I don't think that's a real thing. I thought that I missed something, so I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it says, Paul meets her one evening at a restaurant with other mall employees. So I didn't miss nothing. So Paul shows up, and Kevin from the league is there, and he's just being a sexist asshole to her. Though I don't really remember what he said, I just remember noticing that he's Kevin from the league. Yeah, that dude's name is Steven Ranazisi. And anytime I see him, all I can think about is he lied about being in the Twin Towers on 9-11, which is offensive, yeah, but it's also extremely strange. Anytime I see him, I'm like, that's the dude that lied about 9-11. I can't even focus on the film. Not that there's a lot to focus on here. Right. Paul Blart gets drunk and makes an ass out of himself in front of Amy. And it's movie drunk, so it's ridiculous. He makes a big scene and falls through a window and breaks a whole bunch of shit. And this drunken escapade sort of makes the rest of the movie an apology to Amy for being an asshole, which makes this wild thing that his daughter tells him even wilder. I wrote it down. She says, once someone takes the time to know the real you, all bets are off. That isn't necessarily a compliment. 
All bets are off doesn't mean that things are good. It means that they could be great or terrible. Once people get to know you, things could be terrible, Paul. That's such a weird thing to say to someone who is upset. Right, and it feels like the moral of the story. But he's not focused on being the real him. He's focused on getting Amy to like him. And so performance is based on a whole bunch of motivations and countervailing factors. So it's a lot like real life then. And just like real life in 2009, everyone had those LG chocolate phones. Yeah, this movie's brought to you by LG, among other companies. I fell asleep while he was at the cell phone kiosk. What happened here? I don't blame you. He gets some hot sauce from some guy, and then the plot of the movie started up, so I had to wake you up. Right, so this is where the bad guys start to put their plan into action. They kick everyone out of the mall and brandish a gun, except one of them One of them is menacing the crowd by riding on a skateboard. Someone was on an extreme sports kick. There's parkour all over this movie. And Paul Blart doesn't hear everyone being kicked out because he's too busy playing Rock Band, Rock Band available at a GameStop near you. Right, and then they cut out to the cops trying to actually get a handle on the situation, and Peter Garrity's here all of a sudden. Why is Peter Garrity in this? Was he in debt? I was gonna say that it felt like a step down from The Wire, but this movie came out in 2009 and The Wire ended in 2008, so it's more like a giant plunge downward into darkness from being on The Wire for Peter Garrity. Well, I hope he got a percent of box office. And so after we see Peter Garrity, we see all the hostages together and we learn that, oh no, Vic's Vaporub is the big bad guy or whatever his name was, Jonathan Sims. It does seem like we were supposed to get more scenes with him so that when it turns out that he's the bad guy, we care about it and have some insight into his character. I shudder to think that there's a two hour version of this film where Vic's Vaporub gets his correct treatment. Hashtag release the Vic's Vaporub cut. Maybe you have to have listened to all of the Magnus archives to get it. I've only listened to like 150 episodes, and that was a while ago. This episode of Movies with Michael is brought to you by the Magnus archives. Back to the plot of Vex Sims instructs all of the Santa's little helpers who are all named after reindeer to go to each of the stores and get some sort of credit card code that they will then write on their arms in invisible ink, and that will allow them to steal the money from these shops somehow. So instead of an action sequence, this thing could have been solved by Paul Blart calling up Visa and saying that he suspects that some fraud is going on. Well, Visa probably would have noticed that something strange was going on and halted all of these transactions before anyone even reported anything. Yeah, but then there wouldn't be any parkour. All of the Santa's little helpers do extreme parkour to get to the different shops, and we get to see a whole bunch of shots of parkour. Yeah, we do, and all of these parkour shots typify the lack of cohesion in the editing and the scene-to-scene scripting of the film. Now see, you ain't allowed to use $5 words. We're talking about Paul Blart Mall Cop. Then we cut back to the hostages, and Vic's Vaporub is telling Amy, Oh, I thought that we could be Bonnie and Clyde together, even though I don't know that we saw them speak to each other before that. Is Amy the only young woman on Earth? Are we in a post-apocalypse where Amy is the only woman? I'm telling you, this story was read by Jonathan Sims, head archivist of the Magnus Archives. I don't think that Jonathan Sims would describe going room to room and methodically picking off all of the different parkour characters in very uninteresting ways. I think he's better than that. Yeah, there's too many of them. They wanted one for every reindeer, which I think was a big mistake. Because the action ain't very exciting. 
Yes, for a comedy, the film is very concerned with its own action sequences, which it doesn't have the budget or the ambition to make unique or interesting. It tries to do this with skateboards and parkour, which are, I guess, unique, but they're cheap and they feel like it. Yeah, the skateboarding was fun every now and then, but that's about it. But the next thing that happens is skateboard guy shoots at Paul Blart and he yells out, Time for some big game hunting. And uh, I have no idea why he says this. My only guess is they were in front of some animal plushies. I didn't understand it, and I say that as someone who's been big game hunting. I fell asleep while Paul Blart was in the vent or whatever and woke up to the gunshots. They had a real problem with deciding whether or not the bad guys have guns or not, and whether or not they want to kill Paul Blart, because sometimes they're directly shooting at him, and sometimes they're doing hand-to-hand -hand combat and letting him get away, and it's like they forgot that they have guns, or they've changed their minds about whether or not they're going to kill Paul Blart. When you're telling a story, you gotta be careful about introducing guns. If there are guns in your story, and there's a conflict that would be better resolved with gunfire then you need to explain why you ain't using gunfire to solve the problem. Same thing with time travel. Yeah, Anton Chekhov made a pretty good point about this. Well, we ain't got Chekhov's gun in this movie. We got Chekhov's hot sauce. We'll talk about that later. So, Paul Blart tackles the skateboard guy through a glass window and lands into a giant ball pit. And this scene falling into the ball pit actually looks pretty nice. Like someone took care to cultivate the aesthetic of just this shot. Yep, we get one second of a pretty ball pit, and then we're back outside with the cops. A SWAT team shows up, uh, headed by one of the guys from Will and Grace who isn't Will or Grace. And we're supposed to care that he's really mean to Peter Garrity and Paul Blart. Right, and this guy, whose name is Commander Kent, because he's mean to these people, he's clearly in league with the bad guys. Even though with Vic's Vaporub, we already had a story about someone who was in league with the bad guys. It don't matter until the very end, because the cops and the SWAT team are out there just sitting around, thumbs up their asses, while Paul Blart runs around inside. They might as well not be there. Yes, the police are completely incompetent, which is a touch of realism, I guess. And thinking about it now, if you squint at it, this film has almost the same story as Hot Fuzz. Like, it's about a guy who is very good at his job, but he isn't taken seriously because of how good he is at his job and then he's part of a community that has become corrupted from the inside, and then he has to use his expertise against all odds to root out the problem. Point being, we could have watched Hot Fuzz instead of this movie, and I'm mad about that. Hot Fuzz is a really good movie. I should watch that with Sly. That'd be a lot of fun. I'm going to quietly seethe about that, thank you very much. Moving on, Paul Blart has disabled all of the henchmen, and didn't pick a gun off of any of them, and then the plan is to get into the air vents and pull everyone up into the air vents with him, uh, 999 style. Nine Pauls, nine Blarts, nine mall cops. Right, and it doesn't work because one of the people is too overweight to fit into the air vent, which isn't funny and is contrived in order to set up a showdown between Paul Blart and Vex Sims. And here's where we get the Chekhov's hot sauce. Paul Blart sprays the hot sauce in his face and nothing really happens and it's... Not very funny, and it's very anticlimactic. And then Vapo Rub grabs Paul's daughter and wife and makes a run for it. Did we even mention that his daughter was taken hostage? She shows up later. I don't know why she shows up later. I guess because she's in the movie, and this is where the movie is happening, and so if she's going to be in the movie, she has to be here. She's more important in the second movie. 
I hate that you know that, Michael. Who hurt you that you saw the second Paul Blart movie? Lots of people. We're getting real close to the end now. I thought for a moment that maybe Chekhov's hot sauce weren't coming out at all. But nothing's left hanging as bad as I expected. Just like there's a little, invisible thread connecting everything. Very tenuous. Right, everything is wrapping up here, and everything is linked, but it's linked together with one link, and that's it. They are able to follow Vex and the hostages because Paul Blart throws a cell phone at him, which has GPS that is being tracked, because the phone is being borrowed from a guy who thinks that Paul Blart is dating his ex-girlfriend, and none of that has come up because none of it really matters until exactly this moment. And so they follow them to the airport where he's getting on a plane to go to the Cayman Islands, because that's where you go when you've stolen a lot of money. I looked it up. The Cayman Islands do have an extradition treaty with the U.S. That dude's gonna land and then get arrested and immediately go to jail. Right, and they get there and there's a standoff in front of the plane and Paul Blart fakes a hypoglycemic attack and Pierce Hawthorne style uses this to defeat Vex Sims. Right, that's the only time there's any payoff with this hypoglycemia thing. The only other time after the intro that it happens is he's all alone and has to find some sugar and there's a dirty lollipop on the floor. And so there's no tension, it's just gross. There are a couple moments like that that feel like this is a children's movie, but I can't figure out what kind of children. I think it's a family movie, and in this case a family movie means that dumb stuff happens and no one says the word fuck. Anyway, Paul Blart handcuffs Jonathan Sims, but then he turns around and it turns out that Commander Kent is working with the bad guys and has a gun pulled on him. But then before that can even become anything, Peter Garrity shoots Commander Kent in the arm and that's how the whole thing ends. They didn't know how they wanted this movie to end. They wrote it in order and by the time that they got to this point, they just all wanted to go home. It should have ended with Paul Blart saving the day. Commander Kent not being one of the bad guys, just being proven wrong by Paul Blart. And Paul Blart trying again with a different woman now that he's learned better how to respect them? Yeah, but according to this film's logic, he's earned a woman, and so he gets to kiss Amy, and they get married in the credits. I don't want to get up on a high horse about this, but Amy might as well be a sack of gold doubloons. She doesn't ever really do anything, and Paul doesn't have any reason to like her except that she's pretty. At the beginning of the second movie, uh, they get divorced six days after they get married. I guess because they couldn't get the actress back. And that's the end of the movie. Roll credits. I can't believe that we stayed up until 2.30 watching this movie, Michael. Aren't you glad that you did, though? Now you know everything that happens in Paul Blart, and you get to go on a podcast. No, I'm not glad that I did. My time is valuable and limited, and now I've seen Paul Blart Mall Cop. Do you want to come back on for Paul Blart Mall Cop 2? I want to go back in time and prevent Kevin James from making these films. I guess to sum up, the idea of this film is such a non-starter that it makes for a funny meme, but it's dated and its humor wasn't funny even when it was new, and it relies far too much on situations being funny as opposed to actually telling jokes. It sort of made me miss that joke-a-second failure that other Happy Madison films have. It doesn't aspire to be anything at all except for a vehicle for Kevin James to make money. It doesn't cohere from scene to scene. The editing feels amateur. The cuts aren't in the right places. It's lazy. Any joy derived from it comes from overthinking it. It sounds like you're overthinking it right now. Are you deriving joy? No, my dopamine sensors defensively shut off when talking about the movie. And you turn the air conditioning off and I'm starting to get sweaty. 
Can't have the buzz of the air conditioner on the podcast, so we gotta tough it out. Personally, I thought that the film was brainless, and maybe there is a situation where you can enjoy that. I like Paul Blart as a character, and I think that that's why people meme him so much. But overall, it's boring. The action is boring, and there's a lot of it. And the jokes leave something to be desired. So to finish up here, let's say one bad thing about the movie, one good thing about the movie, and then our rating out of five stars. How about that? Alright, my one bad thing is I hate how he ran over the dog with his Segway. I hate how we were supposed to think that that was funny. Alright, my one bad thing is Vic's VapoRub at the beginning seems uninterested in learning his job, when really, if he's the head bad guy, he should be using this opportunity to learn everything about the mall and how to get around in it. Alright, my one good thing is how the ball pit looks. I know that I already talked about it, but it's the only good thing that I can think of in the whole movie. My one good thing is how fast he gets around on that Segway. He makes it look awesome, which I'm sure that they were paying him to do. And my star rating is one out of five stars, so I guess we're setting a floor on this thing. Setting a floor? That means that you're coming back on the podcast? No. Uh, okay, if you let me pick the movie. You got a deal, Pilgrim. I'll rank Paul Blart Mall Cop two out of five stars. I still like that he's a weird little guy running around. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Mike. Is there anything you want to tell our audience before we head out? I would say there are better So Bad It's Good movies to check out, and especially to check out the classics of those if you haven't yet. This isn't as fun to watch as it sounds like it could be. Agreed. I'd also add, watch with friends, do not watch it alone. You probably will just get bored and turn it off. <sighs> Alright, we did it, Mike. The first episode of the Movies with Michael podcast. We'll be back soon with episode two, so stay tuned. And take care, y'all. Movies with Michael. Yeah, movies. I hope you're ready for movies with Michael. Movies with Michael. Yeah, movies. You're ready for movies with Michael. Oh, yeah.